Hey, 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 good morning, FOC family. We're going to give you guys an opportunity to come in. We apologize for the delay. We were here um, extra early, set up the technology. Mevo was ready to go. And then when it was time to go live, Mevo just quit on us. It just wouldn't configure. And so we were on IG for a little bit because you know we typically do IG and use the Mevo to stream to multiple platforms. And this morning that's not working. But the one thing that we have learned is how to be committed to the outcome and flexible in our approach. So this morning we have to have some flexibility. So you know what we want you to do. We want you to come in and hashtag live if you're watching live. Tell us where you're watching from. We already told the IG family that they they got to come over to Facebook this morning. We appreciate your flexibility as we are flexible, right? Because life happens and you, we are engineered to overcome life circumstances, right? And so we thank God for the technology. And can you guys believe that it has been so many weeks that we have not been in face-to-face -face service? But I just want to know by show of hearts and hands, how many of you have seen, still seen God's increase? Even in this time, you have seen, still seen God's favor. You've still seen God's protection. We know some of you have experienced God's healing. And so I just want to come in this morning and enter into his gates with some thanksgiving and His into his courts with praise. And so if you have a testimony, a testimony of provision, a testimony of healing, a testimony of deliverance, a testimony of his faithfulness. And do you know sometimes the best healing testimony is that you didn't get sick to begin with. And so if you have not been touched by COVID, that is something you can give God praise for right now. And if you came out of it, that is something you can give God praise for. But you can just be like, God, I thank you that you, I don't forget your benefits. You have healed my, um, you've forgiven my sin. You have healed me from all diseases, name and unnamed. Some of you have recovered from surgery. Some of you have had relationships restored. Some of you have had God just do miraculous things because I want you to know that even in a pandemic, pandemic, God is still God. Amen. Amen. He is absolutely still God. So while y'all are giving y'all praise and thanksgiving this morning with your hearts and with your hands, some of you got new jobs, some of you got promotion, some of you, you tapped into new business opportunities, some of you found love, some of you rekindled love. Listen, let me tell you something. It is still the season of great harvest. And I need to know who out here is still in expectation of great harvest? You are still in expectation. You still know we got two months left in this year, and you don't even intend to have a break from 2020 to 21. You're just going to keep going from faith to faith and glory to glory, higher and higher, seeing his provision. You're committed to still being a sower because you know that you are stepping into a season where there will be harvest in every season. And I am declaring over all of the faithful sowers, all of the faithful times, that you are stepping into a season where there is no break in your harvest. Amen. I think you ought to receive that. Amen. No break in your harvest. I need you to say that. Say, because I am a faithful sower, there is no break in my harvest. There is no break in my harvest. And in fact, I want you to do this, and then I'm going to give the announcements for those of you who have been old faithful to do what God has told you to do regarding your money. And I don't just mean your tithes and offerings, but you've been faithful to bless the person with some groceries and give the lady 
maybe some Starbucks and whatever God has told you to do. I want you to just begin to call in the harvest that belongs to you in this season. Whatever it is that you need, whatever deliverance you need, whatever breakthrough you need, whatever you need to happen in your business. If you're working for a company, hear me, and that company is struggling. You, I, I didn't say if you were an employer. I said if you are working for a company and that company is struggling, you need to begin to speak life to that company because that company puts funds in your family. And so I want you to use your words and begin to declare in harvest. Chris was singing about breakthrough. He is the Lord of the harvest because he is the Lord over our harvest. The enemy cannot stop us from increasing. Amen. 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 So I'm just excited. And, uh, you know, I just love Jesus so much. And you see, listen, my boo let me dress like him today. And so, you know, um, so it's an extra cute day to me. And so, but, you know, we have some announcements. We have some weekly announcements on Monday, every Monday. on. And, and before you do the weekly announcements, I know we're going, we're trying to catch up because we came late. But let's, let's take the time to do this. Everybody who's watching the broadcast, do two things right now. One, make sure that you like or love heart whatever on the broadcast if you're watching on facebook where it says like comment or share hit that like button right now do it right now uh if you don't mind and then make sure you actually share this broadcast thank you so much for what you did last week we had a hundred and ten shares uh, and that resulted in organic views, which means we didn't we didn't pay to send, to make Facebook send this to people, but we had over five thousand individuals who clicked on that broadcast because you all shared it last week. Uh, we had over thirty four hundred, I think, the last time I looked, different interactions with the broadcast, meaning somebody made a comment or a heart or something. And so we absolutely appreciate you. So before we get into the announcements, before we get into the message, if you will. Help us spread the gospel. You know, a lot of people don't like to go and knock on doors, and I get that. You don't want to be out trying to proselyte people and ask them to come to your church and different things. But listen, social media makes it so easy. All you got to do is hit a share button. Share it to your page. Share it to any pages that you manage. Share it to any groups that you are in that you have permission to share it to. We had 110 last week. I believe we can get 111 this week right? because we're always getting better, right? right? So I think we can get 111 shares this week. I think we can have over 6,000 people to view it. I think we can have over 4,000 interactions with it, but we need your assistance in doing that. So again, if you haven't already, go up, hit the like button, hit the love button, uh, on, on and not just on the hearts at the bottom, but the actual like button on the, on the broadcast itself. Share it share it share it now make sure that you do what we always talk about doing if you haven't already hit hashtag live if you're watching live and then if you're going to be watching on replay at some point in your sentence and it's a replay then hashtag replay but everybody can participate in social media outreach whether you're watching it today or whether you're watching it sometime next week do that for us and we would be greatly appreciative of it now and what and i want to say if you haven't liked the page yeah. now one of the things about business pages which is what our ministry page is under you need to like the page and follow the page because yeah. you if you don't if you just follow the page 
Um, if I mean, if you just like the page, you don't get notifications and you want the notifications for the things that are happening, whether it's a live service, whether it's a declaration, whether it's an, an invitation to prayer, you want to know what's going on. And the other thing I want to tell you, we might as well do this. Listen, if you want to be a virtual partner, what does that mean? At this point, all our partners are virtual partners, right? Yeah. So if you want to be a virtual partner, then you can go to the web page. There's a link. Pastor Edwin is about to drop it. And you can decide you want to be a virtual partner. Here's what that means. That means that you're like, even though I may live somewhere else, I feel connected to Pastor Strickland and Pastor Sean, and I feel connected to FOC. And we're I seeing feel... people from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. There was someone in here from Atlanta, Georgia. There was someone in here from uh, South Carolina I saw. All you, all, doesn't matter where they are. They can be virtual partners with you us. You can be virtual partners with us. And for those of you who have filled out a virtual partnership form, could you go back and do that again? We had a little glitch with that form, and it didn't translate and send the way that it was supposed to. So if during this pandemic you've said, I wanted to be a virtual partner, so... And you're still a virtual partner. You're still a virtual <laughs> we partner. We just want to capture your information so that we are able to know who all of our virtual partners are. That's right, so we can know who they are. Yeah. So... We have announcements, and so on Monday at noon Central, I do um, Mindset Monday um, on my page, Sean Strickland. On Tuesday night, which I think is one of the most important services that we have, we have prayer. We know that something supernatural happens when we pray. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love about our prayer team, which is led by Minister Chandra Washington, is that our prayer team prays the word. Praise the word. It is so important that you pray the word. And I'm going to keep saying this because God is not moved by your emotional response. God is not moved because you throw a temper tantrum in the floor. God is not moved because you run around the room. But God is moved by his word. He it's is. so important. So join us at 8 p.m. Central. We typically pray less than 30 minutes. But the truth of it is, is that if we prayed an hour, what is it worth to your life to invest in prayer? Because one of the things I think we have to stop doing is making people think that they can change their lives with a three-minute interaction yeah. that it that 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 if you want your life to change if you want to be able to hear God if you want to be able to know um, where the, the way God wants you to go you need to spend time with him and prayer is an amazing way to do that mm -hmm. and then um, on Wednesday night we have refreshed Bible study led by Pastor Ralph Marlowe who yep. is actually the minister that FOC is recognizing mm -hmm. this week yes. you know I love that one of the things I love about Pastor Edwin is that we don't just um, during Pastor's Appreciation Month Minister's Appreciation Month we don't just want to be celebrated we want to celebrate all the ministers on our team that make this work because it takes people to take care of people as our daughter Jordan always says teamwork make the dream make work the dream right work. <laughs> and so we are super excited the first week we honored um Pastor Chris who yes, is our worship pastor yes. the second week we honored Minister Chandra yes. um who is still struggling to admit that she is a minister <laughs> but her father the great Bishop Chester Thompson has invited her to preach and she preached so we know that that means that she is considered a minister and then we honor uh, Ralph Marlowe Pastor Ralph Marlowe who teaches refresh Bible study on Wednesday night at 8 30 p.m. Central you can watch it here or if you're his friend you can watch it on his page yep. and here's the thing I want to ask all of you guys if you are being blessed by the ministries that are going forth I want to ask you when you have the means so into those people's lives yeah. 
So cash out them. Say thank you to Ralph. Say thank you to Chris, to Chandra, to San Teresa, to Ari, to the people who pray. Um, when you have the ability to do that. Because and, here's the truth about it. You may say, well, I only have $5 to give them. Listen, they're, they're not doing what they do for money anyway. So you, whatever you give them is just an, is just your way of saying, hey, I appreciate you. It's just acknowledging to them, listen, I know you spend time, you spend your energy and your effort to do this, and I thank you for it. That's yes. really what that's about. Because if nobody ever gave them anything, they would do it because they love God, and it's what God called them to do. And so I think that's really important. And, I, and I, that's why I love their hearts. I love I love all of our partners, but those who labor in the ministry with us in order to, to feed the sheep, so to speak, I, I just absolutely love and appreciate all of them. And I, the sacrifice that it takes for them to be away from their families, to do what they need to do for the ministry, that is that is not forgotten. And so I appreciate, um, you know, Pastor Chris, Pastor Ralph, Minister, Minister Washington, uh, and their spouses who also have to give up of them to let them do what they do for us. So I appreciate all six of them. Yes, yes, yes. And so, and then on on Thursday nights, we have Ignite, which is our teen ministry. And if you have a team that's not connected to Ignite, I want to challenge you to get your team connected. Listen, we are trying to help our kids grow. We're trying to make sure that they are in a great mental state, yeah. even in the, in the midst of a pandemic, yes. that they have a safe place to navigate where they are. And it's funny because our girls said when we first started this, they said they thought it was, they thought it was going to be, um, they didn't think they were going to like it is what they yeah. said. And they were very pleasantly surprised about how much they enjoy a Zoom group. And so if you don't have teens, if you have teens and they're not connecting, I want to challenge you to be responsible for getting your teens connected. And so I know that there's sometimes their Thursday night activities, but when they don't have Thursday night mm -hmm. activities, get them into Ignite. And yeah. then we take we have um, on the website, if you have younger kids, we have a team of people that are putting together every week lessons for your babies. Dynamic lessons. They got, lessons, they got songs, practical videos. teaching, videos. They're going all in. And one of the things I just have to say this that I've always loved about our ministry is that we are a ministry of people who will work with what we have. And many times people would be like, well, I can't do it because I don't have this kind of camera or I can't do it because I don't have a team of people to help me. But I just want to publicly say to our team, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for everything that you do that allows us to be able to serve people. Right. And it's so important in this season because you can't see people on Sunday mornings and make sure that they're OK. Right. So to have a team of people, including let me circle back to the prayer team, who is also monthly. Yeah. checking on all of our partners yeah. Yeah. which is why you want to fill out that virtual partner form yeah. because they are checking on our virtual partners right Vita says which how at do, this point is all of our partners right? all our partners <laughs> virtual now yeah. Vita says how do people connect their teens to ignite you need to send a message to this group mm -hmm. send a message and one of the people will connect it and one of our ignite leaders will get back with you about how to do that yeah. all right because That's they can a great give you question. The, they can give you the you can also go to the website uh, and you can look on the website in the upper right hand corner. I think it says like victory, victory zone slash ignite. You can look at that, but certainly send us a message. We'll make sure that the, the teachers and leaders of that group get with you, get with your team, let them know what time it is on Thursdays, give them the zoom link so they can connect. Uh, because I think it's a pretty, I think it's a secure zoom link because they don't want people coming in doing, you know, crazy stuff, but we can certainly make sure that you get that information. Absolutely. And so, and then on Sunday morning, we have pastor Chris who comes and leads worship for Woo! us worship and to just we thank God for her and Elder Valley and for all of the work that they yep. do. And I, I want to just say this, listen guys, it's just nice to say thank you to people. 
If people are changing your life, if they are impacting you, it's just nice to say thank you. We want to be careful not to be the kind of people who just take and take for granted the, th mm -hmm. the, the things that people give to us, and we don't just stop and say thank you. So if somebody on our ministry team has been a blessing to you this week, if they've been a blessing to you this month, if they've been a blessing to you in this pandemic, I need you to at least send them a Facebook message and say, hey, I appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. Because even though you do what you do because the Lord called you sure. to do it, it's always good to know that somebody actually appreciates what you're doing. Yeah, right? Absolutely. And so we're talking about, we, we got a powerful subject and we love it. Last week we had some great conversation around what it is around this um the influence of the spirit of poverty and 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 we we even put up a question afterwards and we'll do it again today where we'll say what's your takeaway yeah, from this thank you this guys for responding those of you that responded on the on the website we appreciate your your to, to see what you got out of it so we appreciate that and so that was that was wonderful to see and then we said we're going to do a zoom and we're still working on the date for that so hopefully by next sunday we'll be able to tell you that but we really want to dig into this and so we talked about the 11 signs that you are being influenced by the spirit of poverty, right? And so Pastor Ellen's going to recap that, but I want to remind you of something as he starts, that poverty is a spirit and a mindset, right? So even as you deal with the spirit of poverty, you have to do the work to change your thinking. So remember last week we said, hey, if some of this makes you say, ouch, if some of this makes you feel uncomfortable, don't run away from it. That's what I wanted to say. And I want to pray over you. And then Pastor Ellen's going to recap us and we're going to get the rest of it done. All right. Amen. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus for Jesus. We thank you that because of Jesus, he became poor, that we might be rich in every area, including finances. Father, we thank you that it is not your will for your people to suffer and to struggle financially. We thank you that you have made way for there to be enough resources for us to be able to take care of our families, to be a blessing to our local church, and to be a blessing to the community around us. And that is the will of God for our lives. So, Father, we thank you even now for your word that shows us so many places how much provision you have for us. And then we thank you for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do. Yeah lead us into truth help dismantle the lies even things we may have heard in church may have heard in our homes about god's perspective yeah. toward money bring us into alignment with the truth so we can walk in the truth and then father help us to be a people that once we have heard truth we don't reject truth yes. we don't fight against truth but we receive truth because the truth that we receive and obey creates freedom for us and it is your desire for us to be free so we thank you for it we thank you in advance right now for the people who may be in some financial need that even now that as we are going through this that you will begin to speak to them illuminate them and help them and even now we take authority over the spirit of shame and guilt that would come for anybody as they see some place that they've been out of alignment that they would not be bound by shame and guilt that they would simply repent change directions and move forward and we thank you for it now in Jesus name, in Jesus amen. name. amen all amen. right so let's jump into our lesson for today as you know last week we started this teaching about how to recognize the signs that we are being influenced by the spirit of poverty uh, and then on Wednesday night Pastor Ralph actually came and just talked about which I think was really great and if you haven't seen it you should go back and watch uh, this past Wednesday night's message about the implications about what poverty does to us not only emotionally and spiritually but also even physically uh, and so I, I challenge you to go back 
uh, this week. And, and if you didn't get a chance to, uh, you can go to his page or right here and you can see it because it's just all tied together. And I just love how Holy Spirit does that. We don't we don't tell Pastor Ralph what he needs to teach. Uh, but I just love how Holy Spirit brings it all together. And so this morning, uh, we want to talk about, uh, as you know, we didn't finish all 11 of those last week. Right. Uh, we only talked about uh, five of those, uh, we'll, uh, six of those, and we'll talk about the other five today. But as we get ready to do that, I want to put you back in the mindset uh, so that you are ready to really deal with this spirit of poverty. Because as we said last week, you can have a lot of money, but still have a spirit of poverty. You can also right now not have a lot of money and not have a spirit of poverty. The thing about that is, is that if you don't have the spirit of poverty, even though you may not have a lot now, you won't always remain that way. Because remember, Pastor Sean said that poverty is a mindset. And so one of the things that we said on last week is we said that the spirit of poverty is a demonic force. Mm -hmm. It is a force that the enemy uses. It's a, a, a tool or a tactic that he uses. And the purpose of it is to rob God's children of the provision and abundance that they are supposed to have. Mm -hmm. uh, and we mm -hmm. talked about the fact that the way the spirit of poverty works is that it actually operates through, the, through deception. Mm -hmm. And that it has to work through deception because no one just chooses to be poor. No one chooses to be in lack. No one chooses to be without. Uh, in, in the most basic sense of the word, we come here as babies crying out for what we need. Right. Uh, a baby who wants, who's hungry is not going to stay silent and just say, oh, well, I want to be hungry. They're going to cry out for what they need. Mm -hmm. So it is our human element to go after or to cry after what we need. And so the spirit of poverty uh, wants to rob mm -hmm. the children of God mm -hmm. of their provision and abundance. And, they, and he does this through the spirit of deception. And it often works. You talked about this last week. It often works in tandem with other what we call discouraging spirits, mm -hmm. the spirit of low self-esteem, uh, the spirit of, 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 of inferiority uh, and, and the spirit of discouragement. Uh, it comes when, when when certain things happen in our life. It, what we said last week is that it opens a door. And remember, we talked about how if 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 you if you break free from something, you have to close the door on yes, it. Yes. Because if you don't close the door on it, then that thing looks for other opportunities to come back. And according to the Bible, it says that when it comes back, it doesn't just come back the way it left. It's bringing some friends with it. Yes. It's coming back seven times stronger. Uh, and so just to recap, one of the, some of the things we said last week, uh, we said that this spirit of poverty that wants to influence you has but one true agenda, and that is to pull you down and convince you that you are a failure. Poverty wants to tell you that your current state is the best you can have. Mm -hmm. if, if you're sick, poverty, the spirit of poverty doesn't just deal with money. The spirit of poverty says, well, this is, the, this is as good as you can be. This is as well as you can be. Uh, you have to take this pill for the rest of your life, the next nine, 10 years, you, whatever you, however long you got left, you got to take these pills all the time. So it, the spirit of poverty wants to make you feel like a failure, uh, which is the exact opposite of all that God has said about us. That's right? right. That's right. The it, spirit of poverty, it wants you to make, it wants you to believe that lack in any area is natural. And God has not provided a solution. Absolutely. It, it, that's really what poverty wants to do in any area. It wants to tell you that you have to settle for where you mm -hmm. are because God has not provided a solution. And here's a part of the deception that even if he has provided a solution for someone else, 
there is not a solution for you. And the deception makes you come up with excuses. You can't have it because you're a single mother. Yep. You can't have it because you're black. You can't have it because you messed up your money before. You can't have it because of your education. So that is why you need to understand how that deception yep. works because that deception gets you to disqualify yep. yourself. It uses lies to get you to disqualify yourself from the promises of God. And, and the truth of it is, is that's, that is why sometimes our ministry aggravates people. Yes. It aggravates people. Just not sometimes. Just sometimes, because some people embrace it and love it. Uh, but sometimes it aggravates people. And the reason it does is because what we're saying is, is that your current situation, if it doesn't line up with God, is temporary. It's temporary. Unless you buy into the deception that is permanent. Yes. And we refuse to buy into, whether it's talking about sickness, heartbreak, disease, whatever it is, the, the Bible says it like this. Everything that is natural is subject to change. To subject to change. So I can be heartbroken today and be madly in love next week. Mm -hmm. I can be sick today and be healed before I walk out the door this morning. Mm -hmm. I can literally be in debt. I can have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And, and one thing from God can change my life where I now have millions in my account. Mm -hmm. Everything that is natural is subject to change. Everything so if natural. my situation right now is not what God has said, all I got to do is keep believing what God said and watch my situation change. I love that. And that frustrates people sometimes when well, we talk about that. Well, here's what really frustrates them, right? Um, the spirit of poverty wants to keep you irritated with the truth that you don't have to be poor mm -hmm. in any area. Why? Because if you will listen to truth, truth will change you. Mm -hmm. And so truth he, provides solutions. Truth, truth. Uh, Y'all yeah, should type that in the comments. Truth provides solutions. Mm -hmm. So anytime I see myself differently than what God has said about yep. me, yeah, this, this let's, let's rub you wrong real early. You live in a lie. Yes. When you see yourself in any way that is different than what God has said about you, you are living a lie. And what the what poverty, and, and the reason you're living a lie is because either you're true and God's wrong, or God's wrong and, and God's true and you're wrong. Well, the Bible is right, the, and we know the Bible is right. So if I see myself different than God sees me, I have to be living a lie. I like that, and that really makes people uncomfortable because here's the truth. We can get tied to the lies we believe. Yes. We can get, we can they be. They're called strongholds. They are. They're called strongholds. Mm -hmm. So when you're tied to a lie, practically, y'all write this down. When you are tied to a lie, that's a stronghold. Mm. When you are tied to a lie, that is a stronghold. What does that mean? That means that a series of thoughts has proved it has created something that is against the word of God. And we can have them in many, many areas. Your belief about marriage, your belief about premarital sex, your belief about how you live, the, your belief about holiness. The enemy will use a series of thoughts. Now, and some of those thoughts we want to get away from, right? But there are other thoughts um, that we, we, we get some pleasure out of them. You know, we get some emotional satisfaction out of them and we will fight for them. And one of the reasons that I believe that we fight so strong to hold on to poverty is that in many families it's generational. Yeah. So it's not just my thoughts I consciously came up with as a 30-year-old woman. And, and, well, and, and the reason I, and I want to talk about this because when you say it's generational, I need people to truly understand this. Something being generational 
doesn't mean it's just attached to you because you're out of that family lineage. What it literally means is it's attached to you because you are part of that family lineage, but the thinking of that lineage is what was given to you. Yes. That's good. Say you, that again. You don't just you don't just show up in poverty because your family was poor. Because we've heard the stories of people who were poor who grew up to become very rich. What happens is that stronghold, those series of faults, that thinking gets on you because that's what's been your your family's thinking. That is the divorce is the same way. Divorce is a spirit, and if and if you're not careful, it'll get in your family in that thinking of the causes divorce what matriculate down to you and to your kids and your kids' kids. And before you know it, you got four or five generations who never were successfully married. Poverty works the same way. And so, yes, it's a generational curse or a generational uh, thing, but it doesn't mean that you are permanently in that situation. It doesn't mean you're permanently into it. But here's a really good example. Type 2 diabetes. Right. Type 2 diabetes is not the same as type 1 diabetes. Right. Type 1 diabetes has nothing to do with how you eat. You, It's something you're born. It's something that you can develop, but it doesn't, it, your eating doesn't, doesn't make you have type 1 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes, you can see that it's generational, right? But you don't have type, type 2 diabetes because of your genes alone. You have type 2 diabetes because of the thinking and combined, you may have been predisposed because your parents had it, but it's the thinking in that you eat the same way your parents ate, mm -hmm. right? Does that make sense? So, and this is why it's really hard because even if you think about the context of breaking up with food sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we don't break up with foods because of the emotional connection that we have sure, to it, right? Sure. This is, my grandmama used to cook this. Mm -hmm. My family used to do this. So even though it's detrimental to me, I'll continue to eat it because I have such an emotional response, an emotionally yep. strong response yep. to it. Well, the same thing is true with the mindset of poverty because every moment of poverty for many of us wasn't this bad moment of, oh my God, right? right? right. There were a lot of emotional, cool memories that um come out I'll give you a good example. Let's let's take something like you had to work really hard for your first car. Mm -hmm. You had to work two jobs for your first car, right? Mm -hmm. And so you feel like you're really responsible because you had to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so now when God is saying to you, no, I don't want your kid to have that experience. Your kid should not be in high school having to get up and do a paper route and um, having to work a job in the evening on top of all of their activities. And you, what you say is, no, you're tied to this fact because you are convinced that the only way to make your your kid as responsible as you are is if your kid had to struggle the way that you struggle. Right, does right. that make sense? It does. And so we want to be careful when we're talking about strongholds. We're not talking about your family. We're not talking about your big mama. But the truth of it is, is that the people who love us and even us sometimes, if yep. we're not careful, we can give mindsets to our family that become normal that are not normal in the kingdom. Absolutely. All right. And, and, and because of that, then the central point of our teaching today as well as last week is to really talk to our partners and to help them identify and dismantle anything that may be influencing them to remain or allow the spirit of poverty to remain in their life. Yes. Our goal is to help them break free from the spirit of poverty in both their thought process and behavior. And yes. that's why I was yes. so glad that you brought that point up because it's not just about, you know, if we can help you with your thinking, I'm a firm believer that your thinking dictates your behavior. Absolutely. We, a lot of people like to stop people's behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, and, I, and I'll give you a prime example. I grew up in a very um, uh, 
fundamental uh, Pentecostal kind of kind of church, Church of God in Christ, right? And 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 one of the things that they 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 did was they always wanted to stop our behavior first. And 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 you can stop someone's behavior a little while through through fear uh, or through oppressive means, like uh, they were afraid that if we went out on Friday nights, we were going to do something we weren't supposed to do, so we had service on Friday night. They were afraid if we played. A sports and we, we went on, on, on trips with the school, we were going to do something. So they said, don't play sports. That works a little bit through oppressive means, but you never stop someone long term by just changing their behavior. But why? Because your behavior is really just an outward sign of what's happening on the inside That's of good. you. That's good. That's good. And as long as that pressure is not being applied, the moment you let that pressure up, the thought process is going to make you go right back into those same habits. Yes. So when we talk about breaking this spirit of poverty, we're not just telling you to sow a seed. We ain't just telling you to fast. We ain't just telling you to pray. We're telling you to let's really talk and think about why we do what we do. Here's my favorite word again. Let's be what? Metacognitive. Metacognitive. Let's, let's think, think about, about our thinking. thinking. If we think about our thinking, then we can change our thinking. And if we change our thinking, then our behavior will naturally progress and change because our behavior is always going to line up with what we're deeply thinking. Right? Now, and I want to say this because I think it's important for people to understand that while we like to shout, Yes. And while we like music we and love all of that it. stuff, we love, we love it. One of the reasons we're so committed to teaching is because if we cannot get you to think about your thinking yes. and make a decision to change it, you cannot change your life. Mm -hmm. So when you hear a prophetic word that says it's the year of great harvest, right? If you cannot change your thinking from believing that you're going to struggle, there will be harvest all around you, but it won't touch you Absolutely. because your thinking even if you're making the confession, your thinking is not aligning with what God is doing. Yep. And that's one of the reasons we're so passionate about taking the time and teaching messages that are an hour, 90 minutes, telling you to go back and listen to them right. Because let me tell you what we know from experience. You are not going to unravel no. 37 years of how you no. thought about money in a seven-minute message. No. You're going to have to take a message like this, the message last week, if you didn't listen to it more than multiple times you need to listen to it multiple times and then when we finish this one up today even though I don't think we're done talking about this topic you ought to have both of these messages on repeat yeah. because it's not just enough to say amen guys I want to hear from y'all this morning y'all give us comments share this but I want you to think about what we're saying it's not enough to say amen you've got to when we're giving you these things you got to look and you got to with the Holy Spirit because the other thing I tell my mindset group is that you are not qualified qualified to judge yourself by yourself right right you are not qualified to judge yourself by yourself so you need the holy spirit to say when you say okay whatever point we get to holy spirit is this me right holy spirit is this hiding in me holy spirit do i show up this way let him do his job yeah let him do his let job. him do his let job do in fact you can go ahead and type that say holy spirit i give you permission to do your job amen holy spirit I give you permission to do, to your, do job. your job. Amen. Amen. And that is why it is vital for us to understand how to identify when we are being influenced by the spirit of poverty. Because this spirit, and we've talked about this, and while it can travel through, through generations, it's really a sneaky spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really sneaky in the sense that when you start to, to, to study it out and you look in the Bible, you see the Bible always refers to, posit to, to, to poverty in the possessive manner.
Mm. Now, now, what does it mean to say that it's in a possessive manner? It means poverty is something that you can own. Mm. And if it's something you can own, mm. then it means it becomes yours. Mm. And the great news about something being yours, you get to decide what to do with it. Yes. Now, 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 now think about that for a second. If I own something, if it is mine, if, if I have the, the quote unquote, the title deed to it, I can choose what to do to it, do, do, do to it or with it. So if the spirit of poverty is, is, a, is always spoken of in the word of God in a possessive manner, we have to look at that and go, why is, why is that? Because poverty wants to come to us, but poverty can't just overtake us. We have to embrace it. We have to grab hold to it. We have to hold it. And if we do that, then it becomes ours. Well, as long as it's mine, and I keep saying it's mine, it's going to stay with me. But the moment I decide I no longer want it, I can get rid of it. And nobody can stop me because, it, because it's a possessive thing. But what I hear you saying is that if I decide that poverty is mine, even God won't take it from me. You can go to every conference you want to. You can be loosed. You can be oiled up. You can be thrown down. You can be smacked with a Bible. You can do all of those things. If you decide poverty is yours, it cannot be taken from you. You can start the business and still not flourish. You, you can do, if, if poverty is yours, it will not leave until you call, you have to evict it. Or like the, the young man said last week, you can have money and still be living tormented like you don't. Absolutely. Because we want to be clear. The poverty poverty spirit is not just a spirit that operates through lack. Because here's, here's even the worst thing. When you actually have resources, but you still living and tormented like you don't. We had someone who sent us a message, and it was, it, was, it was very insightful. He was being very honest, and he said, listen, I grew up poor. And understand that when you grow up poor, that is, there are... We know that we know that through research, poverty is is a form of trauma. No, go ahead and just say that, y'all. Poverty is trauma. Poverty is trauma. Poverty is trauma. Hold on, that is how you know poverty is not from God, right? Because it's because trauma. Tra it is trauma. Yes. Okay. Go and ahead. because poverty is trauma, poverty uh, 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 it it it. it, it it creates neurosynapses in your mind that causes you to do things to try to retreat from anything that has caused you pain where that particular trauma is concerned. So this young man didn't like poverty. He did the things necessary to get out of poverty. He's now got more money than he's ever had, but he hasn't changed his thought process. So even though he's got money, he's literally living moment to moment thinking when the next thing bad in his life is going to happen, it's going to send him back to living in poverty. So even though he's got money, he still is being influenced by the spirit of poverty. Why? Because he's terrified. He's in fear that he's going to end up back in poverty. So anytime God tells him to do something, but the spirit of poverty say, if you do it, you're going to come back to me. He doesn't obey God, which guess what it does? Sends him right back to poverty. It's a very vicious cycle that we have to learn how to stop yes. because the spirit of poverty is this possessive thing. Uh, when, when you look in the Bible, it talks about things like your poverty and their poverty and his poverty. Uh, there's, a, there's a scripture in Proverbs 6 and 10. Uh, I, I think it's Proverbs 16. It's Proverbs 6. Uh, and it's like six through 11. It's the whole story about the ant. And you know that whole story. Mm -hmm. The ant takes care of what he needs to do in the summer mm -hmm. so he can eat in the winter. The grasshopper doesn't. He ends up without any food, right? But verse in the New Living Translation, Proverbs 6, 10 and 11 says it like this. It says a little extra, street, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, 
a little folding of the hands to rest. It says, then your poverty. Notice it didn't say then poverty. It says, then your poverty will pounce on you like a, like bandit. a bandit. And scarcity will, will attack you like an armed robber. So understand, if, if, they, if somebody can put that up on, in, in, on the screen, Proverbs 6, you can just do verse 11 if you need to, but Proverbs 6, 10 and 11 in the New Living Translation. I want you to see that. It does not say that poverty and scarcity is the same thing. It does not. It says poverty is going to pounce on you. And once that spirit pounces on you, the result of that spirit is scarcity. So, see, that's, that's why I said earlier, you, you, you got to understand the goal of poverty is to get us to live unlike what God wants us to live. And so if, if, if you are not doing the things that God has told you to do, that's the folding of your hands. Hmm, if if, if God said, it. write the book, but you don't write the book, that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's the slumber. Uh, you know, if, 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 if you too tired to listen to this message again and you too tired to read your word, that's the sleep. And the Bible says if you participate in those things, then your poverty, because it's poverty, there's a spirit of poverty that's been assigned to everyone because the enemy wants that spirit to come into our lives. But greater is he that's in us, that's in us than he that is in the that world. That in. spirit of poverty can't get on us and we won't hold on to it if we will embrace the things of God. Man, this is really good. I want to say this too because I just saw somebody in the comments say, I totally hate poverty and I want to warn you about that as well. Listen, hating something will also attract it yeah, to you. Yeah. He doesn't ask us to hate poverty. He asks us to love abundance, to love the provision that God has for us. And many of us do not realize that because we give our energy to hate. I was just going to say that's that energy piece. Yes. If you're hating something, it takes energy to do that. It takes energy to hate poverty, right? And while you're hating poverty, it's closing off your ability to solve problems to get into abundance. So we so, understand that. But rather than hating poverty, let's start loving abundance. Let's start loving let's abundance. Start Loving Let's abundance. start loving Let provision. Let that be our focus. And I want to, that, you can take that word for a lot of things. Yeah. It is a waste of energy and it attracts you to things that you hate because hate really for humanity, I'm not talking about holy hatred right, like right, God right, right, talks right, about. Right. That's reverential fear right. and those kind of things. I'm right. talking about when God says he hates sin, it's not the same thing. It's a holy, righteous, pure hatred. Yeah. But when we hate, the root of hate is it's always fear mm -hmm. because there are only two realms to operate from. I hate poverty. When you say I hate poverty, you hate poverty because when you look around and see how it torments people, you see the fear. You get attached to that. So in hating poverty, you're still attached to the fear mm -hmm. of scarcity. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to waste your energy with that. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to waste yeah. your energy with that. Yeah. So for everybody who's ever been like, I hate poverty. I hate that ain't enough food, all of that different stuff. You need to repent from that and turn and align with God. Jesus never showed up to a situation and he didn't go when he had to feed the 5,000. I hate that it's not enough food. He, but do you know you know why he never said that though? And I mean, and, it was, on, and, it's, and it's not, it's not, it's not bashing anybody because we've all said some things like that before, but we had to be corrected on our language too. So yes. we want to help other people with their language. Yes. The reason that Jesus never talked about hating poverty, he didn't see it. He didn't see what? like what? He didn't see scarcity. You cannot talk about what you don't see. So because, because it was 5,000 people sitting there, 
He didn't see a lack of food. What he saw was his father in heaven. It's the reason the Bible says that he took the fish and the bread. It said and he looked toward heaven. Why? Because that's what he was looking at. He wasn't looking at them not having nothing to eat. He was looking at the father who had plenty enough for everybody. And, the, and, and literally the Bible says that he, he kept looking and he kept breaking. And because he didn't look down at lack before he got finished, the little boy who offered up the offering of the fish and the bread went home with 12 baskets. And if Jesus hadn't stopped looking, the whole earth would still be filled with fish and bread. Why? Because heaven was never going to run out. Heaven was never going to run out. And Wait, what happened hold on, hold on, looking hold at on, the wrong hold on, hold on. My friend, Dr. Elisa Harney, does this thing called mic drop right here. This was a mic drop moment. Did you hear what he just said? And the Bible says as Jesus is in this world, so are we. He says the reason that Jesus did not focus on poverty and sickness and lack is because he did not see he it. He see it. He was so good at focusing on what the Father said and saw that he was almost, somebody said, Pastor John, you're doing a good job of not running shot. Listen, it took <laughs> everything I had. It, the Bible says the Holy Ghost so quicken you. It took everything I had not to jump up because he literally did not he was so full of the presence of God that when something showed up that looked like lack he just did what the presence of God did he just met it and it wasn't just financial yes when, when Jesus was around and there was sickness he didn't see sickness Jesus didn't see death it's why he told Lazarus get up he didn't see death. It's why when they had the funeral possession going by and he was focused on something else, the dead man got up out the cask in the funeral possession. Why? Because he just did not see lack. And that's why he says, let this mind be in you. you that was also in Christ Jesus. We got to transform our thinking so that we see things the way God sees things so we get the results that God gets. Amen? <laughs> No way. Listen, you already know we talking about this next week. We probably ain't going to make it through all these steps. But this is important because you need to understand this. So when you can't see something, you can't focus on it. You, we, you and I never focus on cigarettes. We don't smoke. We don't see them. We go in gas stations all the time. I can't, I can't, I can't remember the last time I actually looked at, at, at the cigarettes. I only know where they are in Walmart, the neighborhood market, because they're right there by the checkout line. But if I go into a store, I wouldn't have a clue about what kind of cigarettes and, and, and what they are. Because I don't see them. I don't focus on them. And when you don't focus on stuff, uh, then, then, then you, don't, you don't see it. You understand? Absolutely. Man, y'all, that was a powerful moment. I want you to grab that moment and hug that moment and meditate on that moment and begin to study what you actually pay attention. What are you seeing? I love that somebody said Ray Charles to poverty. Yes, you need to put blinders on. <laughs> oh, to I like poverty. that. Who said that? Ray I like Charles, that. Letitia. Ray I like Charles that, Letitia. to poverty, Ray Charles right? To poverty. So is it possible? that you can't see your harvest because you are consumed by looking at your lack. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that you can't see your next job because you're consumed by what they did wrong to yep. you at this job? Yep. Is it possible that you can't see your what next God relationship oh, come because on. you're focused on what the other person did? No, in the no, past no, no. Or here's something that I talk about all the time, that the reason that you can't see any good men, because women say this all the time, is that you're literally consumed by having conversations and discussing the bad men. And then who keeps showing up? The bad men. 
which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So when you say, do, read that scripture again, no yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's out of the New Living Translation. It's Proverbs 6, 10, and 11. It says, a little extra Hold on sleep. just a second. I see Pastor Miller on here. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, listen, we don't take it for granted when pastors who minister in the word come and Amen. join with us. Amen. So good morning. Thank you for being here. God bless you, sir. Proverbs 6, 10, and 11. It says, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber." A little folding of the hands to rest. It says, and then your poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. And so, again, that whole idea, if you're focusing on lack, lack is what you're going to see all around you. You know, we, we talk about this being, you said it earlier. I don't know if you use this word, but you talked about a, a, a change of position. This we're really talking to you guys about a paradigm shift. Yes, we're really talking yes. about a paradigm shift or a viewpoint through which you see your life being changed. Yes, it's, it's uh, an, an example is like so. So, you know, I have on contacts right now, but I have a pair of glasses at home that has a pretty strong prescription in it. Amen. Pastor Sean wears glasses sometimes, but her prescription is very, very, very light, uh, especially in comparison to mine. If I if you put on my glasses, it is going to radically change how you see the rest of the world. Uh, it's going to be fuzzy. It's going to be out of focus. That's what poverty wants to do. Ooh. Poverty wants us Ooh. to put on the lens of, of, the, of poverty, regardless to how much we have, regardless to how blessed we've been. Poverty wants us to put on the lens or the glasses of poverty so that it skews everything we see God saying. Now, this is what just dropped in my spirit okay. when you said that. At the beginning of the year, a lot of the prophets said it was the year of 2020 vision. Mm -hmm. And because people have on glasses that aren't designed for them, mm -hmm. felt thoughts that don't belong to them, mm -hmm. they're not from their father. Thoughts, and some of the thoughts they've picked up as the pandemic came. They picked up these thoughts. As the news media said things, as these, these various groups have said things, as the economy shut down, as unemployment went up. People went away from what God said to believing what these people had said. They changed their prescription. And so what happened is that now they have on a prescription that is clouding their vision, which is why they're saying this wasn't the year of 2020 vision mm -hmm. because you're not seeing the way God is seeing. Because what God is saying is that I don't care what this economy does. I have a means to provide mm -hmm. for my people. There is nothing that can happen that takes me off guard. So are you going to keep on those fuzzy glasses about the economy, those fuzzy glasses about your job situation? Or are you going to put on the lens that tell you that if you will keep my word, wealth and riches will be in your house. I had a pastor who who, who I respect, and, and, and we laugh and we joke, and he said to me, he said, I watched y'all broadcast. He said, are you telling me that you guys really are still giving scholarships? Y'all are still paying everybody on payroll, and y'all helping people pay their rent, their car, and groceries, and y'all doing all of that and not having church. And I started laughing. I said, yes. I said, you know, I, I said, even if I was joking around, you know Pashon ain't going to get on the video and lie about something like I don't that. Play no games like that. <laughs> and he said, I know. He said, it's just so hard to 
to believe. And I said, it's hard to believe because your perspective changed. I said, you and I talked in November, in December, in January, that 2020 was going to be the great year of harvest. I said, but you stopped saying it. And I kept saying it. And I kept prophesying it. I kept saying it to our people. Our people kept saying it. Our people kept saying it to the people they knew. I said, and we literally built a world of community where people's like, 2020 is going to be the best year so far. It is our year of great harvest. I said, and because they kept saying it, it's what they kept seeing in their life. And as a result of it, the ministry has been blessed because they've been blessed. I said, stop telling your people that you don't know when things are going to get back to normal. We don't want normal we want better we want better and he was like you're right pastor strick i need to do that i said you should have been doing that since march but that's yes. but that's what happened our people put on the the lens of this is the year of great harvest and because of that everything they saw it didn't matter if, the, if, if someone lost their job, if someone lost their lost, lost a car, if someone uh, needed groceries, if, if, it didn't matter. They just kept saying what they saw and what they saw was great harvest. And before you know it, great harvest was overtaking them. We got people with testimonies about new cars, new jobs, checks being released, all of that in the year of a pandemic. Why? Because this is the year of great harvest. And I keep saying it, it's about to be some new houses. Yes. Now I'm telling you, it's about to be some and new houses. And it's been some new houses, and it's but it's gonna some be some more houses. new houses. And here's the thing, that's why it matters who you're connected to. What are people saying? And I know that this is one of the And go things. ahead and just type it while she's getting ready to say that. Say, this is the year of great harvest. This is the year of great harvest. And I know that this is one of the reasons, you know, sometimes, let me just tell on myself, sometimes people don't particularly view me as being very sympathetic when they have a problem. And they and it's because people think they want me to rub them on their back. Yeah, but they don't but, need no But rub you don't back. need me to rub you on your back. We had a young lady from our church who got fired. Or she got let go, terminated, whatever the process was. And she felt like they did it unjustly to her, that they could have picked somebody else. She had been doing her job, all of this stuff. And there probably was something unjust in what happened to her. But I said to her, that is not the focus right now. The focus right now is that God got something better for mm -hmm. you. And if they really did wrong you, he got better than better yes. for you yeah. and she said all right pastor sean now i know she wanted me to come into agreement with her girl it ain't right that they did you like that man i don't have time but for what that. good was that gonna what do what good was that gonna do because you weren't gonna go up to the company and make nobody rehire nobody <laughs> so what good was that what good was that? That wasn't going to do no good. And people think sometimes they want you to come into their pity party with them and be like, it's so wrong what they did to me, how they treated me. I get it. It's not that I don't understand naturally that it's something wrong that they did to you. I'm saying to you, God got something better even if they did. And you can stay stuck in how somebody wronged you or you can be like, you know what? They may have wronged me, but I bet you I got seed in the yep. ground. Mm -hmm. I bet you I'm about to get a harvest. I bet you what you thought was meant for my evil it's about to be the best thing that's ever happened to me and i am telling you so i just want to tell you if you inbox me you text me you reach out to me and you feel like that i'm not woo woo with you it's because i have never seen woo woo change anybody's life but what i know is that this word will this what word i know will. is that the person who will grab hold of their faith and say i don't care what it looks like i will not be moved and this is where i get into the thing right here listen if you're gonna walk by faith if you're gonna 
be a person who's gonna see harvest even mm -hmm. when the world is going crazy. You can't be no faith punk. You can't cave in and quit and back down just because something happens. You need somebody who is gonna say to you, I understand in the natural that it happened in a way that you did not expect. But has God changed? Did God change because they changed? changed? Oh, no, God didn't change because the word says what? That he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? So you can agree with this over here, and you can go find a group of people to rub you on your back. And many of you right now, the reason that you have not stepped into the increase that God has for you is because you align with people who would rub you on your back, people who would co-sign what had happened to you instead of people who would call you out and say, they may have done that, but it does not stop what God That's has right. said. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so, so the crux of this is that what we're what we we said all that to say this. All that to say. The only way for us to replace the spirit of poverty is to embrace the spirit of abundance. Yes. It's got to be replaced with something. You can't just excel. You can't just push something out. You got to embrace something else. Yes. So we got to. And the only way that we can replace the spirit of poverty is 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 is, is through the spirit of truth. Which, which is what God's word says uh, concerning abundance in His kingdom, right? Uh, you know, we talked about Teach, these. Babe. We talked about these lens and the Teach, lens of babe. the lens of of the of the of a poverty spirit. It distorts and it, it colors what we're seeing. And and so last week, what we did is we spent uh, some time talking about some of these um, fingerprints. And and here's why I said I like the, the spirit of poverty has fingerprints mm -hmm. you know uh every spirit has a fingerprint mm -hmm. um and, and it, it identifies that spirit and that spirit's behavior and the bible is great in helping to us to identify those fingerprints in fact the bible says it like this it says be not ignorant of, of satan's, satan's devices. devices in other words don't when, when you see his handiwork be able to identify it and then know how to use the tools i've given you to to demolish it and so uh, the, the spirit of lack has fingerprints. And what we did last week is we gave them six um, look fors so that they could understand whether they were being influenced yeah. by the spirit. And so just we won't go through all, all we won't talk about them. We're just going to list them. Uh, you can go back to the broadcast and listen uh, from last week. But well, what, you should just list them because if you if I'm I just, have to say I'm, 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 I'm just going to list them. OK, then. so here are the six. I'm just going to list them. We ain't going to talk about them today. Uh, a refusal to consistently tithe and give offerings. Uh, number two, uh, chronic lack. If you are suffering from chronic long-term lack that may be a sign that you're being influenced by poverty number three uh that you are critical of those who are wealthy or those who have wealth or those who have more than what you think they should have mm -hmm. uh, number four we said that you are repeatedly giving away your own work or undercharging or undervaluing what you do uh, that could be a sign or an indication that you are being influenced by this spirit of poverty. And then number five, we say you are easily distracted from doing the doing the right work, from doing the right work. And I and we got a lot of comments on the thing about that one, about number five. You are easily distracted. You're busy, but you're not productive. You're doing a lot of stuff, but not the stuff God told you to do. And then we said number six, and this is what we ended last week. That a sign that you may be being influenced by the spirit of poverty is that you blame other people for your current financial state. Uh, it's always somebody else's fault. 
even though you're the one participating and sometimes being blatantly disobedient to the things of God, God tells you do not loan money you don't have, but you hear someone's sob story and you give it to them. They don't pay you back when they said they was going to. Now your light's about to cut, get cut off and you mad at them rather than being mad at yourself for not obeying God. And then you're mad at somebody else when they won't pay the money for you because right. they are hearing right. God, right? right? right. Yes. So again, you're blaming others for your current financial state. And so we'll see how many of these we'll tackle uh, today. Uh, we'll get into number seven. So here's a sign. Here's another sign that you are being influenced or you could be being influenced by the spirit of poverty. Number seven, you have a lot of religious justifications and a refusal to learn about money and increase. Let me say that again. You have a lot of religious justifications, but you also refuse to spend time learning about money and increase. What do I mean? These are people who either seem to be all for prosperity until they are challenged to have to actually do some work. What do I mean? These are the people who love to shout, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. But you don't want to go and work the business. You don't want to go and, and, and learn something new. You want to have to do something to cause that wealth transfer to happen. You just want God to take it from somebody else and give it to you. So you're all excited about prosperity until you find out you got to do something for it. Or you are the people who outright speak against prosperity. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're the kind of person who says all the preachers want is your money. Uh, all so-and-so want to do is, 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 is con me out of my money. You, you're against prosperity in the sense uh, that, that, that it is something uh, that, is, that is kingdom related. Uh, or you, you love uh, prosperity, but you love it in this sense. You're always looking to find someone to bless you rather than you be a blessing to somebody else. You, you always want some, you believe in the blessing. You believe in the blessing. You want somebody to bless you. You want somebody to give you something. You want somebody to sow into your life. But when you look at it, you rarely, if ever, sow into someone else's life or try to do something to be a blessing to them. You're the person who goes to dinner and asks who's going to pick up your tab, but you never the one who pick up the tab. Mm. You're the person that when you go to dinner and you know you aren't paying, you order stuff that you wouldn't order if you were paying. You're the person who wants harvest, but you don't sow. Yeah. And you have a religious justification for why you don't sow. Mm -hmm. you, you're a person who manipulates scripture. And so, you know, you say, um, the God go bless me. I'm, 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 I'm the head and not the tail. And then you really believe, because I thought you said something powerful here. You believe that God should take wealth mm -hmm. from somebody who may not hear me. Hear what I'm about to say. Somebody who may not be saved, but is a good steward of financial principles. And God should take that. You say things like, um, they see all, they see I'm struggling. They ought to just buy me a car. Mm -hmm. that, that if you, if that kind of stuff. And I think that this is important because I really want to give you a shout out in this. One of the things that I believe, you know, I'm a person who believes that when we see a recurring problem in the body of Christ, mm -hmm. we have to take responsibility and say that it was a failure of leadership to teach correctly. Mm -hmm. You taught me that. You said when you were a teacher, you like, if 23 of your kids failed the exam, you cannot blame the kids. No. There was something lost in yes. the teaching, yes. right? Yes. And so 
what 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 I really want to say that I believe you add to the body, which then becomes something I add to the body, is that there must be practical application mm -hmm. to prophetic promises. There must be practical. And so many of you, you've heard prophetic words, you've got declarations everywhere, and but because you have not been taught to be metacognitive. Mm -hmm. Now listen, you know we believe in the sowing of the seed. But I sow a seed for my business into this ministry because it's good ground or into other businesses because I'm looking for God to give me mm -hmm. strategies to cause my business to go further. I know that as a whole, God doesn't drop money from the earth. Right. So if I am believing to be a steward over kingdom finances, mm -hmm. if I am believing God to be a person of increase, then I show God that I can be faithful where I am and I am willing to grow. And I, I just want to say that I don't... I, I think it's so normal for you to be a person who thinks through the processes that you don't even understand what a gift it is to have you the way you challenge us to say, okay, Sean, you said that God is going to make your business a million dollar business. How are you going to get there from here? And what I want to say is that many of us, we would rather take off running at that point than sit down and realize I don't really understand my numbers. Or people say things like this. Here's a good one. Um, people say things like, I'm worth $100,000, right? Right. I'm worth $100,000, and I got to tell you this, I owe you this, right? Who told you that? And it's important to understand that because your value to Jesus and your value to your mama don't translate to your value in the marketplace. True. So, so another way that this spirit of poverty shows up is that you just think because you showed up, somebody ought to pay you $100,000. You don't understand the financial principle of, of, of compensation that says that you get paid according to the problems that you solve. Yes. And so you have not become a good problem solver, but you're sitting here saying that the wealth of the wicked stored up for you and I just want for all of you who used to kick it have you ever in your life been on the way to the club saw a church having revival and took your club money into the church mm -hmm. you haven't done it mm -hmm. that is not how the transfer of wealth is going to occur so Pastor Sean how is the transfer of worth going to wealth going to occur if you want the money of the wicked you have to create products and services that the wicked will spend their money on yeah. the work is not a four-letter dirty word. Oh, but some of the saints think it is. And, and, and yes. those same saints who believe that don't understand that the only place you're ever going to find success before work is, is in, in the dictionary. dictionary. You you have it is not enough. Listen, we all, I don't we I don't say we all, but in, in in those who who love God, we all love God, right? Well, what's the difference? The difference is what do we do with the things he's told us to do? And sometimes people don't wait long enough to find out what God is telling them to do before they just run off doing their own thing. It is imperative that if God says he's going to cause your business to become a million dollar business, clearly God has a strategy for that. He's not going to just give you a, you ain't going to just wake up tomorrow and, he, and wave a magic wand. It's not how God works. And we, we do the people of God a disservice when we, when we have these revivals and, and we have church services and these conferences and we tell people that all they have to do, all you got to do is sow a seed. That's not all. Sowing a seed 
and this and going back to your seat doesn't produce. Sowing the seed gives God something to work with so that he can give you insight, revelation. It really opens you up to hear God because you're like, okay, now I got skin in the game. God, what are you going to do? God's always speaking to us. You're not paying God to speak. He's always speaking, right? But when you put skin in the game, now maybe you're more open to do what he's told you to do. And so I, I, just, I, just, I appreciate that no, uh, I, I words of encouragement. But, you know, I just think it's important that if, as people of God, if we're going to get a word like this is the year of great harvest, okay, great. But what are we going to do with it? What that? are we going to do? We're going to align. We're going to get into agreement. agreement so that we can have advancement. advancement. Those, if we do those things, then we can shout about you're a great harvest. But if you're just saying you're a great harvest and you ain't got in alignment with the things God has been telling you, you ain't brought your heart into agreement and you wonder why you ain't seen no advancement, well, I can tell you why. And, and I got to say this to you guys. And some of you are really nice people, but nice don't stop you from struggling. Nice don't stop you from being broke. And so your niceness is not, not niceness doesn't change the fact that you're not excellent at your craft. Mm -hmm. And in order to be excellent at your craft, somebody got to think it besides you. Mm -hmm. Because many times we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, which is why we come up with this number of how good we should be and what we should get when the marketplace hasn't told you that. It's like me going home today and I say, you know what, I really want a million dollars for my house. So even though it's no houses like our size that's selling a million dollars, I'm going to put a sign out here and say a million dollars on the house. And then I'm frustrated and aggravated and binding the devil because I'm not having a million. Nobody's offering me a million dollars for a house. You can't just make it be what it's not. Mm -hmm. If you want to be in the marketplace and make six figures, make $250,000, get a job where they give a bonus of that's more than your salary, you have to walk out the process to get that. And you better get you some skills and some talents in that area. In that area. Because nobody paying you because you're cute. Nobody, not, not to do that kind of job. You might get Only a job. Fans, maybe. You may get a job where they pay you for being cute. Uh, but but if you're talking about a corporate job and you want that kind of salary, you better be able to solve some problems on that level that they think is worthy of being paid for. So I love that. So that so, was number seven. That's really good. So then number eight is having a negative physical, mental, or emotional response to talking about wealth. Your body will always tell off on you. You know, I've done a lot of work on mindset. Chandra and I, we actually wrote a book together about mindset and healthy hacks and stuff. And your body will tell off on you. You have to pay attention to what begins to happen in your body when you begin to talk about money. It can be when you begin to talk about spending money. You can, it can be when you begin to talk about people making money, things like anger, things like stress, things like being triggered. Yep. You know, um, I have a story about the first time that you bought me an, a, a really expensive purse or what was really expensive to me and how in the store I actually started to get physically sick. That was a manifestation of the spirit of poverty. Mm -hmm. our, you weren't putting our family at any risk mm -hmm. by buying that purse, but my there was literally something in me that was fighting over that purse. So you have to pay attention to things like that. Um, if things that, that when you get ready to step into the biggest seasons of your life, you begin to get physically ill. You begin to have headaches. You need to understand that those are all deceptions that the enemy will use to make you think that God is saying you shouldn't have something. And so people understand that this is not, we're, nobody's really exempt from this if you dig into your life. Right, nobody. So, you know, Several years ago, maybe two years ago, the church got together 
um, and, and, and I don't know if it was for my birthday or false day, it was for one, one of those days, the church got together and, and, and gave me the money to buy this bike that I wanted. You remember mm -hmm. that? Yes. It, and and, and, and I'm, I'm going to say the number because I want people to understand. It was a $3,000 bike. And, and and the church got together and, and they gave me, the, I had been saying, I wanted this bike, I wanted this bike. It was carbon fiber, it was this, it was that, it was that. And unbeknownst to me, the church got together, raised the money and presented it to me as a gift. But because I could not deal with spending that kind of money on a bike, I couldn't justify it in my mind because the spirit of poverty said, there's so much more you can do with that. You're gonna take that money and buy a bike? That was the intention that the church raised it for. But I turned around and took that money and, 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 and gave it to different entities who needed something. Including the scholarship fund. Including owner. the scholarship fund. I gave it to the scholarship fund. I gave it to some individual people. And I gave the money away. And I'm telling you, as we started dealing with, if God started dealing with me about why did you do that? You told me you wanted this bike. I raised up people who sold into your life to get you this bike. And then you, out of integrity, did something different with the money, even though you think it was a good thing to do, even though you gave it to the scholarship fund, even though you helped people out, even though you sold these. That is not what that money was for. He said the next time that you get the opportunity to get a bike that costs that much money, he said, and, and this, this is how I heard it. He said, don't you punk out. Don't you let the spirit of poverty stop you from having what you desire because I didn't put anybody in jeopardy to get you that money for that first bike. And so when it came time to get the next bike, you did. I ain't punk out. <laughs> I think that this is really important. And this is, this is really important, right? This is why we talked to you about your thinking. Because in that situation, what you are doing seems noble. Mm-hmm. It's, this is why we talk about thinking, guys. Yep. This is why Romans 12 and 2 said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. On the outside, what he's doing looks so yep. noble. Yep. Oh, he's such a good pastor. He take the money from his bike and give it away. But there's something else working behind it. There work. is a dece the yes. deception it was. is, it is that in him having that bike, he is stealing something, taking something from somebody else. Yep. And that's just, that was a spirit of poverty at work, trying to, in, not trying, influencing me to think that if you do this, you're not going to be a good person. Well, the, Ooh, reality, the reality of it was is go, okay, well, I don't want to not be a good person. So then I take the money that was given to me by the people who love me for a specific purpose and do something other than that with it. And I didn't realize it at the time, but as we start working through this and Holy Spirit was just on me and on me and on me, I would sometimes be riding my bike and he's like, this is not the bike you're supposed to be riding. And I'm like, I know, I know. I'm out there just riding. And he's like, this is, not, this is not the bike you're supposed to be riding. But watch this. If you'll be open and if you'll be honest and you'll let God work through you, not only did I not get the $3,000 bike, I got a bike that's about three times better than that bike. So God will bring things back to you, but you got to be open. You got to be open and you have to be honest about where you are. And a lot of people wouldn't be honest and say, you know what? That was out of integrity. You know, a lot of people would just justify how right that was. But the, if Holy Spirit tells me it's out of integrity, who am I to argue with Holy Spirit? Well, uh, so here's a point where we could do some ministry for, with some people right here. How many of you have given away what God told you to keep or kept what he told you to give away? Yeah. It's happened. 
How many of you can see how poverty is working in your life that you either give what he did not tell you to give yeah. or you keep what he did not tell you to keep, right? Here's a good example of this. You you lost weight. We had this, I was fussing at you about this. You lost yeah. weight, you had bought these jeans yeah. and you didn't get to wear them. I bought six pair of jeans. You bought six <laughs> pair of jeans, but the, were the jeans too big, babe? They were. They what, were too see, big. See, I still struggling now. <laughs> this was a new I bought right six here. pair of brand new jeans and lost too much weight before I ever got to wear them. And so you struck because I, I, I and, and this is why we try to tell our stories, guys, to see that even you can love God and not be immune. So he talked about growing up poor and how poor creates trauma, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's looking at six pair of jeans that he cannot wear. That they I are did not get to wear. That you did not get to wear. <laughs> and literally... How long did it take you to finally give those jeans away? Because you had to work through it, even if it was just a couple of days. But you had it to work no through that. Day. I knew those jeans were too big months before you ever discovered they was too big. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it took me a while. Uh, you know, and again, every time that happens, I, I'm open to say, okay, Holy Spirit, here's another area where I'm being influenced by poverty. Because the truth of the matter is, Sean, you and I collectively make more money than anyone in our family ever have. But that doesn't mean there still aren't trauma from poverty that I'm that I haven't yet dealt with. That's good. And, and here's the That's great good. thing about God. God doesn't just rip all the layers off at one aren't time. Aren't you glad about I'm it? I'm so glad, aren't about, you glad about, it? about it. What he does is he pulls them back one at a time so that you can deal with them. But you gotta be open. We typed that earlier. Holy Spirit, do your job. You gotta be able to say, Holy Spirit, do your job. Show me whatever you need to show me, however you need to show me. And when he does, it may sting and you may even get mad at first, but don't run from Holy Spirit. He's only trying to show you something so he can help you live better. Yes. And so that's a negative physical, mental, or emotional response. Now you're holding on. Some of you have even things, shoes that hurt your feet. They're shoes yeah. that hurt your feet, but because you think they cost a certain amount of money and, and the mentality of it is, is that I wouldn't be a good steward to give these shoes away. I don't think I had the physical capacity to go buy a $3,000 bike. I, I, when I thought about it, it made my stomach hurt. So it was easier to give the money to the scholarship fund. It was easier to help somebody with their rent. It was easier to help somebody with their car. It was easier to help somebody with their groceries. But here's what God said. I could have done all of that and you could have got the bike. But you, the, the spirit of poverty was influencing me to somehow think that, that, that I had to do that with that money because somehow God couldn't have gotten me the bike and done the other things. And those are the areas in my life where I'm having to grow in. Now, we only have a couple more, but how is that tracking with y'all? I know some of you may need to go, but if you need to go, you can come back and watch it. But I believe that for some people... <laughs> Somebody said, get out of my business. For, Listen, that's our business. I'm telling you. I believe that, that for some people, you are breaking through because I think it can show up in this. For me, for me, poverty looked different for me than it did for you. Mm. For me, poverty looked like I, that I could not celebrate my success. Mm. That I could not... If you... You would, I, what, 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 this is a story, if y'all remember a couple of years ago, pa Pastor Ellen bought me two Gucci purses and he posted those purses oh, yeah. and I literally yeah. was so yeah. mad at him yeah. Yeah. because I was really taught that if you get any increase, don't be bragging, don't be showing out. People go think you think that you are better than they are. And I was so aggravated you with You can him. go back and look at the, those pictures and see in your face how aggravated you were. I was I just like, I was just 
just like, I was just like, you don't always have to be showing people. You ain't gotta be showing that. But that wasn't that wasn't real modesty, guys. That was false humility. That was this idea that you gotta hide what God is doing in your life. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, if you're, you, that's why, this is this is why you need the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember at the beginning where I said you're not qualified to evaluate yourself by yeah. yourself because there are things that we can dress up. Yep. We dress them up. It's wisdom to keep these pants. What mm-hmm. if I gain some weight? Mm-hmm. If, you know, it's, it, it don't, all of these things and we dress it up and then the Holy Spirit has to come and say to us, wait a minute, you don't think like me mm-hmm. here. You don't think like me here. All right. Yeah. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. A sign that you are being influenced by the spirit of poverty could be that you are always expecting others to help you for free. Or, or yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> You're always expecting others to help you for free. Uh, in other words, those are the people that want to get things for free. We kind of talked about that with number seven a little bit. They, they specifically see free and discounts as favor. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a firm believer that as King's kids, we don't always have to pay full price for everything. However, I, I don't believe that you all always be trying to nickel and dime everybody down, right? Yes. Because if, 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 if I'm going to buy Kenosha's cookies, I know that Kenosha and I have a great relationship. She's my spiritual daughter. I'm her dad. We've been knowing Kenosha for, for 20 something years, right? I'm not asking for a discount on her cookies. That's her business. Now, if she decides to only accept from me a certain amount, that's on her. But I'm not coming to her with any expectation that because I'm your spiritual dad, let me get them cookies for half price. Let me price. get them cookies for free. And dog. you got to be careful that you don't do friends and family and other people that way. You don't walk up in Walmart and get and buy no cabbage talking about let me get half on this. You pay what they say that the value is or you don't. Right? You decide I don't want to pay for that and you leave and you go somewhere else or you don't get it. You got to make sure that you're not doing that to people you're in covenant and relationship with because not only is that um, not, not only is that a spirit of poverty, it's really uh, a discredit to the service that those people are doing. You know, when I talked about Kenosha's cookies, that's her business. I'm not asking for a discount on that. If I'm, if I, if, if I'm going to get Valerie to take some pictures, now if he don't charge me, that's on him. But I'm not going to ask him to do it for me for a cheaper price. I'm not going to ask Cl- Clarissa to do graphics for us and not pay her for her graphics. Though people have time and talent and you got to make sure that the spirit of poverty is not on you where you're always trying to get something from them at a discounted price. And one of the ways that looks for us is that many times when people, we receive what they gave us and then we sow into them Mm -hmm. because we appreciate what they did. But if you are a person... Right, and, see, and Kenosha says, but you know you can have the cookies for free, which is why I wouldn't ask for a discount or ask for them for free. Because I know I can have them for free, but but I'm I, why would I want her labor for free? If she chooses to bake some and give it to me, that's one thing. But if she does, I'm going to find a way to bless her. Because I don't allow people to bless me. I don't be, we, it's going to be, we're going to go back and forth with blessing. Do you know what really would break most of you out of the spirit of poverty? If you decide to get into that flow that we live yep. by. If, if I'm a... I'm going to bless you too. I'm going to find a way to bless you. I'm going to find a way to bless you. Many of you are so busy looking to be blessed that you don't look, you don't understand that the flow is, is that if I make myself a blessing, God go cause yep. blessings to overtake me. Yep. You literally get to the point. I already this morning, already, already this, morning, this morning, we have before been, before service, a, before service,
service started, yep. we have been able to pay a debt for an entrepreneur who needed something done for her business. Why? Because in we order to open the business. To open the yes. business. Because we wake up in the morning saying, who we go bless today? Yep. Why? Because we believe we are a distribution center. And you cannot believe you are a distribution <laughs> center with a spirit of poverty. I love it. Somebody um, said, stop being a mooch. <laughs> no, really. Stop being. No, be it really mooch. is being a mooch. And I see this. And let me say this again. Here's where I want to bring correction to the body of Christ. Here's where I really believe we've done some injury to the people of God. We have convinced people that church should be free. And so we've created a mentality mm. of people mm. who believe things should be mm -hmm. free. I'm going to give you an example. Mm -hmm. We have, you have women's conferences. Mm -hmm. And so for a $25 registration, you want to see Bishop Jakes. You want to see Tasha Cobbs. You want a swag bag. You want a t-shirt and you want a brunch. Now here's what's happening. Anybody with any mathematical skills know there is no way in the world that you just, you know, the $25 covered the brunch. That's it. And so what happens is, is that we've created this really kind of thing where the people expect to come for, for they expect to get, people expect champagne experiences for water money. And I don't mean bottled water, I mean tap water. They expect full champagne experiences for tap water money. You want to say something? So what I hear you saying is that the church has been complicit, complicit in helping to breed this spirit of poverty yes. in some cases. Yes. Wow. Now hear me. Wow. The heart is this. Wow. The heart is wow. you want to bless the people. Wow. You, that's the heart of it. But here's the thing. When I give you an experience that should have cost you $150 and I give it to you for $25, number one, I pervert your idea of value and cost. Mm. And then number two, when I ask you for an offering, now you offend it. You like, I paid $25. Girl, that $25 ain't done all that stuff that you got. And see, I, and, and let me tell you Y'all need to share it. If you haven't shared this video, you need to share it. Somebody need to hear this. Somebody gonna get set free. I, listen, I know, I, I'm, I'm so happy. It's still like 90 of y'all on here. I appreciate y'all hanging in there with us. If you haven't shared this video, share it. Somebody need to hear this this week. That is gonna set some folk free right there. And so in our heart, and in fact, see, this is how you be blessing me. You don't even know. In, my, in our heart, in, our very first, in the very first conference I ever did, that's the model I used. Mm. I did, we did that conference, and then people paid $25. It was an experience that would, that easily should have cost them. He said those tracksuits yeah. won the accident yeah, we, this morning. We, we had to coordinate this morning. We had morning to coordinate, right? <laughs> so I have this conference. I just want to be a blessing to the people, except in being a blessing to the people, I have created a system, Kenosha said it, of dishonor. Yeah. I've created a system of dishonor. Yeah. I've given you a first-class experience, yeah. and then what people thought is, I paid registration. I'm not giving no offering. I'm not giving no offering. And I want to say that's because people have a poverty mentality. Because if someone gives you an experience yeah. like that, you ought to want to sow something more into it. Yeah. I really appreciate this. This happens to me so much that my clients will take a program with me. And when the program is over, they send me more money. They go, no, 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 no. What I paid you, that wasn't just for what I got. Mm. You have to be careful about a, being a person who wants an unjust exchange. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so... After that conference was over, I'll never forget it. I owed Holiday Inn $3,500, yep. and you sat me down because you've always had more money than me until recently. <laughs> and you said to me, you said, babe, I'm going to pay this money for you. I'm not going to let you pay them on payments. I'm not going to let it go on your credit, and I'm not going to let them hold it over your head. Yep. He said, but you will never have another conference like this again. Yep.
He said, you will use backwards design for your conferences. And if the people cannot pay the registration for the experience you want to give them, you will downgrade the experience until you can give them more. And from that day to this, you have never, never had a conference. See, you don't understand that some it of them people... It costs you to put on. That's right. <laughs> you don't understand the reason some of them people don't fool with you after the conference, because I'm just going to tell y'all the truth that won't nobody else tell y'all. Ain't nobody else going to tell y'all this. When people have given you a first-class experience, and you came in there and took everything, you ate, you got a T-shirt, you done laid on the altar, people have imparted into you, and we ask you for an offering, and you made your purse as tight like somebody was trying to steal from you. And then you go home and talk about how you got your life transformed. And we are stuck with a bill. I'm going to tell you what they won't tell you. We can't stand you. <laughs> but it's our fault. We can't stand it, you. But, but it's our fault. But it's our fault. it's our fault. But it's our fault. We yeah. can't stand you. And so some of you, you're thinking about doing an event for people. And I just saved you. We just saved you some lessons that he, he handing out life lessons out here. So you have to be a person who doesn't want to go to a conference. That's going, you. How do you expect your whole life to be changed for $17.97? How do you expect a three-day event for $34 and, some, and you want to use a Groupon coupon on it? You you gotta get that out of your heart. Yeah, yeah. All right. So number ten. Number ten. Is number ten mine? Number ten is yours. Oh, settling. One of the ways that your spirit of poverty is that you settle. You settle. You settle. You settle. You know it. If I'm talking to you right now, you have settled. Yes, your job may pay you more than you have more than you've ever made, but it's not what God said. You still are not abundantly blessed to do everything um, you need to do. Mm -hmm. need to do and so it is just so important it is so important um that you don't settle i want to come back to what becky said because i think this is good mm -hmm. she said this mentality does damage on both ends because it can stop somebody from really needing help they it, it can stop you from refuse it can make you refuse help when you really need it because you don't want to be seen as, as a mooch, mooch. Right. and i think that that's important which is why i go back to what i said that is why it's not enough to look at your actions you have to look at what's driving the actions Absolutely. you have to look at what's in your heart am i trying to get something for nothing right. am i trying to take advantage because everybody needs help at some point everybody even if it's not financial in some area some shape form or fashion we are designed to do life together we're designed to have community. Everybody's going to need some help at some point. So it goes back to the heart. Are you trying? And, and sometimes you have to answer that for yourself. Holy Spirit can answer it for you. But you have to, which is why I also say, it's why when everybody, somebody asks me for help, I ask Holy Spirit if I should help. Because if Holy Spirit says yes, I don't care if they're trying to be a mooch. If, if they really are trying to be a, be a mooch, but, but Holy Spirit tells me to help, I'm, I'm helping help anyway. Because that's, right. that's my job. I'm that's helping. my job. Right I, my job is not to judge what they're doing. I ask Holy Spirit. I love what Kenosha said. She said, is anybody else feeling exposed or just me? Heck, I'm feeling exposed <laughs> me as too. I teach. And I'm like, I wasn't going to tell y'all about my bike. Oh. <laughs> but I did. But I did. he just told you, go ahead and tell it. Go ahead and tell Why? It. Because people need those practical understandings so we can work. And I love it. Our cousin Rose is on here. She said, why not just charge them the correct price? And I think that's the mentality. Yeah. Because when we, because here's the difference. I'm not saying that every conference needs to be a $700 conference. I'm saying that if we charge the right price, we now then legitimately have seats we can give to yeah. people who really don't have money yeah. but when we don't charge the right price it puts a detriment and then we like then then people like use your faith part of faith is the plane yeah it's the plane yeah. all yeah. right 
So, okay. no, so number 10 was selling. And then number 11, last one. Here's a sign that you may be being influenced by the spirit of poverty. And I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me and hear me well. Y'all take a sip of water before we tell you this one. A refusal to sow into those whom you see as having more than you. I'll say that again. A refusal to sow into those whom you see as having more than you. Understand this. Many people will sow into those who they deem to have less than them. But the spirit of poverty wants you to think that sowing into people who have more than you is a waste. The spirit of poverty says, oh, they don't need the money, or if anything, they should be sowing into me. Come Why on. should I be sowing into them? This mentality would do everything possible to, to, to stop you from partaking in the law of seed time and harvest. Mm -hmm. I can't express to you enough how this was something I had to learn. I grew up in the church of God in Christ. I did not grow up in the word of faith movement. I did not necessarily, we always was taught at the Kojic church that we're supposed to honor and bless our pastor. That wasn't no issue for us. But this idea of sowing was foreign to me uh, for, in, 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 until about 98, 899. It was foreign to me. I had not heard this idea of sowing for a harvest. But when I came into it, uh, the way I came into it is I heard people teaching it who I knew had more than me. So I used to say, you have to correct me on this a lot of times through the years. I used to say all of this is just what? A hustle. A hustle. I used to say it's a hustle, it's a gimmick. They trying to get poor people to give them and then they gonna have the money. And the Lord really had to work with me and chastise me and challenge me and grow me up in the word to show me why I was in error about my feelings about this. And here's one of the things that he walked me through is Hebrews chapter seven, Hebrews chapter seven, verse one through seven. And I don't always read a lot, but I want to read this to you because I want to talk about it real quick. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 7, it says this. It says, in the book of Genesis, we read about when Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he returned from the battle of the kings and from the defeating King Cada Lamor. It says, and his allies. It says, Melchizedek blessed our ancestor, our ancestor being Abraham. It says, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything captured in the battle. Now, now understand what's happening here. There's this figure named Melchizedek. And we're going to find out that Melchizedek didn't have any beginning. He didn't have any end. He's an archetype to God or to Jesus himself. It says Melchizedek blessed Abraham means he empowered Abraham to what? Prosper. It says, and as a result, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he had captured from the battle, everything they got from the spoils. It says, let's look more closely at Melchizedek. First, his name means king of righteousness, and his title is the king of Salem, which means king of peace. We know peace means shalom. Shalom means what? Nothing, nothing missing, nothing, nothing broken. broken. So the person who blessed Abraham is the archetype of nothing missing, 
nothing broken. It says the scripture, verse 3, does not name his mother or his father or even his descendants, and they don't record his birth or his death. We could say he's like the son of God, eternal and a priest forever. It says, and just imagine how great this man was, that even our great and honorable patriarch, Abraham, gave him a tenth of all the spoils. It says, compare him to the priests who serve in our temple, the descendants of Levi, who were given a commandment in the law of Moses to collect one-tenth of the income of all the tribes of Israel. The priests took that tithe for, from their own people, even though they were also descendants of Abraham. But verse six says, but this man, Melchizedek, who did not belong to that, that, that Levite ancestry, collected a tenth part of Abraham's income. And although Abraham had received the promise, it was Melchizedek who blessed Abraham. It says, now I don't have to tell you that it is the lesser one who receives a blessing from the, the greater one. Now that was Bible. When God showed me that, I stopped saying it was a hook. I stopped saying it was a crook. I stopped saying anything about that. It says literally, Abraham got this promise, but Melchizedek gave, empowered him to beat those kings. And then as a result, Abraham recognized that it wasn't him on his own. It says that he gave a tenth of all the spoils to Melchizedek. It says, now Melchizedek was greater than Abraham, but Abraham blessed him even though he was the lesser. It says it is a true saying that the lesser receives a blessing when he gives to the greater. Absolutely. And so after that point, I started saying, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what they have. If God tells me to sow into somebody's life, I'm going to obey God. I don't care if they got a jet. I don't care if they got a Rolls Royce. I don't care if they got 10 houses. If God says, Edwin, I want you to sow a seed into X. I don't look at what they have. I don't look at what they got. I just obey God. I think they're, so for me, it's it's the way I understand this principle that, that allows me to be the type of giver that I am. Okay. Okay. So I believe that there are three levels of sowing. Okay. The first one is the giving to the poor. Yep. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, if you give to the poor, you lend to lend. God and he will repay. Uh-huh. So when I sow into the poor, mm -hmm. then God becomes indebted to mm -hmm. me because I am now taking care of some of his children on the planet. Yep. Then there is the law of seed time and harvest where I sow to appear. Yep. When I sow to appear, here's what sowing to appear can look like. Um, there is a young lady, there is a lady in our, um, in my relentless mentoring group who was believing God for a house. Okay. I'm also believing God for a house. Okay. She is further in the process because she is already closed and is living in her house. Okay. When I found out that she had found her new house sweatlessly, I sold into her life. Why? Even though she's in my program, she has gone out and demonstrated an anointing to go find her next with ease. So I sold into her life so that as we look, the same grace that's mm -hmm. on her life mm -hmm. and her husband's mm -hmm. life would operate mm -hmm. in her our life. Mm -hmm. Here's another example. When Stick was given the car. Yeah. 
we're gonna sew into stick. Why? Because I want. I, I we didn't buy the car, but we can show put some gas in right. there. Why? Because what I make happen for somebody else, I'm going to make happen for myself. When I give into somebody else, I think the third level of sewing is where we sew up. We sew where we want to go. Yes. And this is the thing. This thing. This really stops people from sewing into their pastors, yeah. their coaches and taking programs that will help elevate them. Mm -hmm. Because what the spirit of poverty says is they don't need they your don't, money. Yep, yep. And they, they don't got more, They got more than you already. They don't need your money. Yep. But you need to sow into what's yep. on their life. And Be Becky said earlier, she said you always get more fruit when you sow into nutrient-rich grain. Mm -hmm. The Bible says Ooh, to I like follow. That. No, no, mm -hmm. it's good. It's good mm -hmm. comment. Mm -hmm. I, 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 sent, mm -hmm. I sent her a seed. It was such mm -hmm. a good comment. Nutrient-rich uh, grain. So when you sow into nutrient-rich grain, so when, so we have lived our life by the principle of this. And I got to tell y'all this. Sewing down is easy because you get to feel good about it. It is. Ooh, we yep. helped them. They, ooh, they, would, they wouldn't have had no food if it wasn't for us. Even sewing to a peer sometimes can be okay for us if we don't feel like that peer is too far ahead of us. Yeah, but yeah. let me tell you the kind of person I want to be. If I, I got friends in business, they trying to break $100,000. Man, listen, if, if my friend texts me and say she had $99,500, oh, I'm sewing at $500 yeah. because I want to be a breaker yeah. Yeah. and because I want to experience breakthrough, I sew in the breakthrough. Now, let me tell you what's the problem for some of y'all. Some of y'all think because this make you uncomfortable and you don't want to hear it that God don't honor it. You think because it makes you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You think that because it because your poverty mindset says, why would you give to them? I'm going to give to you, them because I want what's on your life to be on my mm -hmm. life, right? And I can remember it was one of the things that I really struggled with when it was sowing into Pastor Cynthia because, I one, I minimized my seed. And, I and we got to talk. You, you never, minimize ever your seed. minimize your seed. You never. If you have obeyed God in your giving, God doesn't care about an amount. He does not. I keep telling people that I say it till I go to my grave. God does not care about a thousand, five thousand, or ten thousand dollar seed unless that's the amount He told you to give. That's right. He is only concerned about the amount that He's asked you to give. Once you do that, you have given immensely as far as the kingdom is concerned. I just immensely. have to. I just have to say that immensely. And, and, and I think, and, and let me say this, cause I think that this is important. You don't minimize your seed, but I think that what can also happen, Pastor, Pastor Cynthia and Pastor Tony have talked about this. We felt this is that when somebody comes to you yes. and you know, they have a need, mm -hmm. you cannot want to receive it because you like, I need this more. I, they need it more yeah. than I do. Yeah. I don't need it. They need it. But they need to sow. And what we've done many times is that as the Lord tells us to, Ralph and April tell this story, that the Lord told them to sow their wedding rings into us. It was an overwhelming, crazy experience. Why are they giving us their wedding rings? God told them to. We received it. We prayed over it. And we gave it back to them. But the thing is, is that you can't hustle God by saying, I'm going to sew my mm -hmm, ring to mm -hmm, Pastor Edwin and mm -hmm. then he wearing it and, and now you, you offended. Yep, right? right? See, here's the thing. This is what I love about this whole sewing thing that's going to make some of y'all mad. The Bible says God can't be mocked. 
And many of you don't even understand that sewing is really an issue of honor. It's not an issue of money. And so many of you have people and I, in my relentless group, and I'm going to make this same challenge today. In my relentless group, there were people in my group who wanted to sew money into me. And I told them that there were other people they needed to sew into first because there were people who had sold into them so they could even be able to hear what I was saying. Mm -hmm. There are pastors that have blessed you that you have never said thank you to. Why? You may not have known it. So I'm going to tell you my story about something, a supernatural breakthrough. I believe it absolutely changed my life this year. I'm going to tell it and then you can wrap us up. On my birthday, the morning of my birthday, as soon as I woke up, the Lord said to me, I need you to cash up your mother $480. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know anything, you know I was raised by my grandmother. And so my mother is really more like my big sister. She's actually more like my mother now than she ever was at any point in my life because my grandmother raised me. I woke up that morning. He says, I want you to sew $480 into your mother because you're 48 years old. And I want you to tell her this very specifically. I want you to thank her for allowing you to use her womb. So I'm like, okay, this how we waking up on this. This what we doing on my <laughs> this birthday. This how we wake up on 48. On, on 48. And, and so I send her the money. And she says to me, you don't have to send me no money. Like I was, this is what I was supposed to do. And I was like, no, I got to send you this money because the Lord told me to. Then the Lord told me, he said, I want you to sow a seed into your spiritual mother, right? So I get ready to sow the seed into my spiritual mother. He said, so he's dealing with natural. He's dealing with spiritual. And he says back to me, he says, but before you do that, he says, I need you to sow a seed into Sister Deborah King. Now, Sister Deborah King, if you've heard us tell our story, Sister Deborah King is the reason Strick and I did not get divorced. Years ago, she is the reason we did not get divorced. When before I we ever met mom and dad. Before we ever met mom and dad. When I tell y'all the story about the lady who taught me that I did not have to cuss Strick out because he was talking crazy to me. That is Sister Deborah King from Conway, Arkansas. She is the lady who walked me through that. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, you weren't trying to be dishonorable to her because you did not know about seed time and harvest. Right. But now you know. And there is an order. So it was my mother, it was Sister King, the way she had mothered me, and it was Apostle Cynthia because of how she had mothered me in the faith. And when I tell you that those three seeds, I told you the other no, day. No, really, really. Those three seeds changed my life because it was an issue of honor. Earlier this year, I challenged my mentees. I said, before you bring me a seed, I said, listen, if there are people who helped you get to me, because that's what God has said to me about mm -hmm. Pastor Cynthia. He said, you never would have been able to receive from Pastor Cynthia had it not been for what Sister King did in your life. And you wouldn't have met Sister King if you hadn't been, if your mother hadn't birthed you. That's right. <laughs> so honor your mother because she birthed you. There were literally people who had bad relationships yep. with their mother. And God said, I want you to sow a seed to your mother. And what you say is, I shouldn't do that because of who. But, but see, there are people in your life there are people in your life, they may not have been everything you needed, but without you, them, there is not you. There is a sister who helped you. There is a cousin. There is a teacher. And you need to be honorable in that. Because I want you to understand that when we're talking about sewing, man, I'm not asking you to bring nothing to the Stricklands that right, don't belong right, to the Stricklands. Right, right. I'm asking you to bring yourself into alignment. And literally, my mentees will tell you, they begin to have supernatural breakthroughs. Because the C has nothing to do with the other person. So you may thinking this, why should I sow a seed into my mom? She wasn't a great mom to me or my, my dad, he was never around. It has nothing to do with them. The seed is conditioned to cause breakthrough for you. 
And you have to see it that way. The seed gives you breakthrough. And Somebody me- type that. Say the seed gives me breakthrough. It's not about them. It's not about whether they deserve it, whether they should get it. What did God say to you? The seed is to cause you to break forth and to spring forth. Which is why if you're ever honorable, if you ever become an honorable person, Angie just said you can't go wrong honoring people. But if you ever become an honorable person, you can't help but sow. You're not going to let people change your life and then you don't sow seed because you are such an honorable person. Anyway, there's this one testimony. I got to tell y'all about this. There was a young lady and her baby's father did not pay child support, right? Yeah. Back child, there was all this back child and then, support. And as you tell them that story, we had 101 shares. Y'all shared this 10 more, 10 more shares and put us at 111. So she, listen to this, she got a kid and he does not pay child support for mm-hmm. it. And the Lord said to her, I want you to sow a seed into him. She, she was crying. She was like, she why was. would you I ask me? Crying. Why would you ask me to, he don't even take care of our baby. Why would mm. you ask me to do this? And the Lord gave her an amount. And she said, Pastor I'm going to do it, but you got to pray for me. And the other thing I'll tell you is that's God, when you obey God with fear and trembling. That, that's when you just do it because you don't understand. And she sold that seed. And within seven days, her daughter needed admission in a school that was special for her. Right? She could not get admission. She was on the waiting list. In seven days, they opened up a spot for her in the school. She got the money to pay for the school and back child support came through for my her God. in seven days. See, that's why I need y'all to hear my heart. The enemy. Somebody ought to be you. saying amen on that. Somebody ought to I be know it's a, little, it's a little delay, but y'all ought to be saying amen and putting your, you need to be getting your seed ready to put in the ground yourself for your needs. Did you hear what I said? She has someone who is clearly that wronged her. That a breakthrough. Do you know, let's just, let's just be real for a second. We finna get rid and go. And if y'all gotta go, you can go. Do you know how hard it must be to take your money and give it to someone who has not been supporting the seed that they created? The, 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 the amount of obedience necessary to even get, but God knew what he was going to do. He already I tell knew. people all the time, when God asks you to sow, he already knows what he's going to do. He already knows how he's going to work it out. He already knows who he has in position. He already knows who he's already spoken to about your life concerning you. So you have to obey God. And she did it. And sometimes you have to do it even when you're, when everything in your flesh is screaming against it. I remember some of the seed. We, we use a term called choke level. Choke level a seed. A choke level seed. What's a choke level seed? It's a seed that literally causes you to almost choke as you're trying to obey God. And there's been a couple of times where God has called us and asked us to do something, and it was financial, and I'm and, and, and it, 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 it felt like we were strangling ourselves, like we were about to, to not be able to breathe, but we obeyed God. And as a result, the blessing has always been so much more than we thought we were releasing with the seed. Because what he did in that moment is he was, her obedience allowed him to get involved and move what was blocking her. Yes, yes. It was blocking her. So because she gave him the seed and 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 she said on the seed, thank you for our daughter. So she, listen, she it gave me chills. She thanked she him. thanked him. Because in spite of all the stuff he had not done, in spite of all of that, the fact of the matter is, is that 
if it was not for him, they wouldn't have her. They wouldn't have her. My God. And God said, if you will do this, if you will, if you. If you will do this, you will end up in a situation and I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Glory to God. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're we're done for the day. Man, listen, I want to challenge you to sow. Listen, I want to challenge you. I just tell you what I do, man. I, I'm sowing every day. I got seeds in the ground. There is a biblical promise that says we will get to the point where our seed will overtake our harvest and we will and it literally you'll get to a season where in every season that you have harvest and i'm telling you you can't just live like that in any kind of way you it, you you listen you you gotta live a different way and people don't understand that people don't understand that people who have a carnal mind the bible says in first corinthians 2 it says the holy spirit will lead us into all truth he will show us the deep things of god and there will be things that god will ask you to do and it's not always the money amount but there will be things that god will ask you to do that will change your life and listen so when we're when we're talking to you well guys when we telling y'all that we live by our seed we really do live by our seed we really do and many of you you're you're struggling you're struggling because you keep fighting this principle that's designed to help you live in any season and then some of you you do it as long as you don't have a lot and some of you you need to repent for vows you've made to god Ooh, say that you, you do need... it as long as you don't have a lot mm -hmm. so when you don't have a lot you're more faithful to your giving than when you have mm -hmm. Now, that, now that's what that, now that's what we call backwards, right? I won't say it, but that's backwards, right? It's backwards that some of you believe because poverty makes you think you gotta have nothing to be faithful in your sowing. And many of you are saying, "God, I want to be a millionaire. God, I want to be a multimillionaire." But you, but you're you're not faithful in this principle. And I say all the time that it gets on my nerves because I sit in these rooms, Pastor Edwin can attest to, of people all over this world who don't know Jesus, but they know this principle works mm -hmm. and they use it. But I, but I feel this. Many of you, you need to repent to the Lord because you told the Lord, when I get this next job, I'll tithe. But yeah, you didn't. But you didn't. But you didn't. You told the Lord, if you caused me to increase, I would sow this seed, mm -hmm. but you didn't. Mm -hmm. And you're back in a place right now and you're like, how did I get here? God is not punishing you. It's just two systems. And this Can you say that real loud? God is not punishing you. God is not punishing you. You are choosing a system. But you are choosing a system for your destruction. You're choosing a system for your destruction. And nobody can make that decision for you but you. Mm -hmm. That decision that we had to walk through when we were willing to say, man, we don't care what they cut off. We're not cheating the tithe no more. And I don't care about your title or what position you hold. This is, this is true for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor, whether you're a bishop, an apostle. You can be the right reverend. It doesn't matter whether you, whether you think you're the lowliest lay member. Listen. Everybody is required to live by their seed. Everybody's required to live by their seed. In fact, it's a lot of people, a lot of people who are frustrated with their ministries right now, but if they check their sowing, they stop sowing. Mm. A lot of these leaders, they're frustrated. They stop sowing. 
And so you come stop on, talk so, to the no, leaders for no, a second. Many of you somebody leaders, gonna watch this. Many of you leaders, you stop sewing. You yep. want to know why it drew, why it, why, why the flow dried up? Mm -hmm. You stopped believing in the flow. Mm -hmm. You stopped being a blessing. Yep. It is why it was one of our commitments that we wanted to be able to be a distribution center in this pandemic. From get go, we were not cutting anybody's salary. From get-go, people were going to get paid. We were going to be a blessing to people because if the Bible says that if you are a quick, prompt-to-do giver, yes, that's what the Bible says. If you are a quick, prompt-to-do, cheerful giver, that God is unable to and unwilling to do without you, mm -hmm. right? And, and Becky said something that I think a lot of people may not say it, but it's true. She said, it, she, was, she, she put it in the comment section, she said that she gets embarrassed when she's not making as much money and her tithe goes down. But the, but, the, but, but the reality of it is that's a trick of the enemy because it's never about the amount. It's never about if the you amount. Make a, if you make a $1 and give a dime, you've honored God. You've honored God. You've honored God where the tithe is concerned. Or if you make a million dollars and you give 10%, you've honored God. Neither one of those is greater in the kingdom. And that's one of those things that we, we, we have to really let people understand that we cannot let the enemy torment us. We're going to keep that, dealing that, with that, this. That the, that the, the tithe is the tithe, and that's that's what it is. It's not about an amount. And and many of you, because you make more and now you don't tithe, but you're giving more than you do, you feel like you're you, you in the right place and you're not. Right, because when you were tithing, you were giving 20 bucks, but now your offering's 100. But you're not tithing. But you're though. not tithing. And so you think that because you're giving more, that means something. And it may mean something to, to people in the natural. It, mean, it means nothing in the kingdom of God. I'll just tell you this. This is what I've absolutely learned. You cannot beat God's giving. You cannot. No, no matter, matter how hard, hard you try. <laughs> the more you give. The more he gives to you. Just keep on giving. <laughs> because it is really true. I am telling you, I just, and no one can walk that out for you but you, but you will get to a point if you will walk this out with mm -hmm. God and you will see that man, literally you will get to the point. I, and I love the transparency. We're going to keep teaching about this. I know God is dismantling. That's why the Zoom is going to be so good. Uh -huh. though. And listen, when we do the Zoom, you might as well just carve out a couple hours because it's going to be great. We're going to let people ask questions. We're going to talk. Y'all going to share. We're going to share. Listen. You know, it's it's funny because when I was talking when I was talking about the bike, right? So I worked up the courage to talk about how much the first bike was, but I didn't say how much the second bike was. I saw that, but it was your story, <laughs> so I went over I did say, but story. you know what? I'm going I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to do what I'm asking you guys to do because when I started to talk about how much the second bike was, I got that feeling on the inside of oh my gosh, it's going to sound like bragging. But let me tell you what the Lord did. The Lord blessed me with the bike. Not only, I told you a story about the bike. I wanted the bike. Church gave me the money for the bike. I didn't get the bike. Well, this summer, I got the bike I really wanted. And let me tell you, yes, it's a nice bike. It was a $7,000 bike. Yes, the Lord blessed me, and I got a $7,000 bike. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say that when God teaches you something, if you will be open, he will give you the desires of your heart. And watch this. It didn't, it didn't detract from anything from my family. It didn't detract from anything from me still helping people. It didn't detract from anything. And so the enemy cannot hold that over my head because I was afraid to say to them what the bike cost. Amen. So there. And so I'm just going to end with this, man. If you were blessed today, I'm going to challenge you not just to sow um, into the ministry, but to sow into us today. 
And I don't usually do that because, ooh, it's one of those things I hate to do. But I also think it's the way that poverty gets people. Yeah. If poverty gets people, the truth of it is, is that um, that we, um, that there is a difference between sowing into a ministry because the money that goes into the ministry belongs to the ministry to the ministry and if you just take that money the IRS will come and get you and while we like this, I ain't going to jail for nobody, nobody ever. okay <laughs> and so if you were blessed today we want to encourage you to sow okay we're going to come back and talk about poverty again next week we go keep yeah. digging these We haven't principles. said we haven't said when the zoom is but we are trying to work out a time when we it. come back next Sunday we hope to have a date the and zoom. time a date a, the time the date and the time for the zoom if you were blessed today, we want to challenge you. Don't send us your tithe. Your tithe belongs your to FOC. Your tithe belongs to FOC if you, if go, to you FOC. go to FOC. If you don't go to FOC and you have a committed church, your tithe goes there. You're not going to find Pastor and I telling you to take your tithe and send it to us if you are partnered with another ministry. We're not. But if we are a virtual partner of yours and this is where you call home or this you say this is a good place to sow, then we will be honored to receive your tithe. Uh, but your tithe belongs to your local church where you are participating. You can give offerings anywhere the Lord directs you, and we will we'll, we'll receive your offering as well. But don't don't send us your tithe if you belong to another ministry. Right. And then I just want to encourage you to sow today. And the truth of it is, is that some of you have actually never sown. You've never you've never taken that step, and you've never sown. And so I used to say, if you feel some kind of way about it, that you shouldn't do it. But no, the truth of it is that many the, you feel some way about it because it's a spirit of poverty. Yeah, and sometimes and so, you do it to so break that spirit. You do it to break that spirit. So if you were blessed today and you was like, man, they said something today that really broke me through. Um, your cash app is what? Money Strick. M O N E Y S T R I C K. I put money in mine. I got it, babe. <laughs> and my cash app is Sean Strickland. If you were blessed today. We encourage you to sow. We believe God for your harvest. And we're going to come back and keep digging with this spirit. Because I will tell you this. We are coming into a season, guys, where your ability to live by seed is going to be very important. Mm -hmm. We're coming into a season. You're already starting to see some people in it. You want to be properly positioned and understand this. And don't just take our word. Listen to these messages. Study. I want you to study what God does in famine, mm -hmm. how God moves in famine. And God, over and over again, asks people for seed. Why? Because a seed give, gives acceleration. So we love you guys so much. And can we do this? One of the admins or somebody, I know last week we put in the group, we asked people what, what their takeaway was. We go do can we do that again? But also, can we do this on a separate post? If you're believing God for something, if you're believing God for something, it can be financial, it can be emotional, vocational, whatever it is. On that particular link, tell us what you're believing for. This week, I want to pray with you that you receive that thing you're playing, you're believing for. It's uh, Kenosha said it several times. She says your seed really is a connection or a bridge between your expectation and your manifestation. If you're sowing this week and you are believing God for something you need in your life on a different, there's going to be another, another post on this Facebook page. Tell us what you're believing for. Let us come into agreement with you. Uh, usually we have people write it on their envelopes sometime when we're having in-person service and we take those envelopes and we pray over them after we read through them. We're not doing that, as you know, right now. So type it uh, in that post that she's going to put up. Uh, she is, what are you believing God for? We want to agree with you is what it says. 
Go into the comment section, put that there, and let us pray for you this week, okay? So we have two posts up. One says, what's your big takeaway? And then the next post says, what are you believing God for? And mm -hmm. we'd love for you to answer them both. Yep. Listen, Mindset Monday, Tuesday prayer, Wednesday refresh, right back here Sunday. We pray over your seeds. We pray that everything that's owed to you in this season be unlocked. Um, we love y'all so much. Uh, we appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for hanging in there. We know today was a was a little long. And y'all should understand how much Pastor Sean really gets excited about your freedom because right now as of 10 minutes ago oh. her Pittsburgh Steelers are kicking off or are already playing against the Tennessee Titans and she said last night we need to get through today because I need to be home to watch the game but she got in here and got to teaching and got excited about your freedom and so she's still here at the church because <laughs> I love y'all and I want y'all to be free all right, so God bless you. We love you. Somebody asked for the cash apps. Drop them again. We'll yeah, see y'all. I think we're, they're pinned at the bottom. We're out. Have a great day. God bless y'all. You going to turn it up? It's up there. Oh, I forgot. It's, I was up, there. it's up there. <laughs> Let me do this.